0: Warning: All Things Crime is a true crime production that may contain violent or disturbing material. Viewer or listener discretion is advised. Mm-hmm. How have things changed over the course of your you guys' careers? In you know, when looking at DNA, do you or, or looking at evidence, do you look at things differently now? How how, is, how have things changed?
1: For me, when I started processing i mainly look for blood or in sexual assault cases semen um but now our our technology is so sensitive that um like you said i only need we only need two cells i do a lot of especially in our agency we have a lot of people run out of their shoes for some reason it's very weird <laughs> or lose their hats or leave gloves behind and and more recently with the People wearing masks, they'll leave their mask behind.
2: We are trained to, um, you know, how to look at the evidence and give our opinions and say a match or not. Um, and then also we, we give statistics for if we say a match, that's a positive association. Um, we go ahead and give statistics that are completely unbiased that's based on um, you know, population genetics with groups of people that are unknown to that everybody in the case, including us. So, you know, just going in and stating the facts and then letting the jury decide, you know, if that person's innocent or guilty, I think that makes everything fair.
0: Yeah, certainly. And it's interesting how many people and statistically it's not a huge number, but the number of people that are being freed because of DNA evidence that were convicted based on eyewitness testimony or something like that 20 years ago like I just saw a guy on, I, th- I think it's America's Got Talent or something like that, who was in Louisiana and he was imprisoned for 37 years on a crime that he didn't commit. And DNA ultimately freed him because, and it, I, to me, DNA is not only the gold standard, but the, the reason it's a gold standard is kind of like what you were talking about, Nikki, is that it's so differentiating. You can have fingerprints that especially if it's just a partial fingerprint where it can be uh i I can't say easier but it's it's easier to mistake that for somebody than it is for a dna profile at least in my opinion are you do you agree with that
2: i don't know a whole lot about prints but i do like the fact with dna that we can give that um right now we do likelihood ratios we give a statistic we can say like Oh, it matches. Well, how well does it match? You know, do you expect a thousand people to match? Do you expect you know, eighty quintillion people? Mm-hmm. You know, to match. So I, I, I like that number where you can say, okay, I expect this to be seen um, once out of every eighty quintillion people. Okay, how many is that? You know, there's there's eight billion people in the world. Well, that's more than the population of the world. So everybody's like, wow, it really does match that person. So yeah, so I like that about DNA.
0: How, how, how does that work? You, you can't say that this is a hundred percent, uh, John Smith, that it's absolutely John Smith's DNA, but you're saying that it's like, there's one chance in 8 billion that it's not John Smith, right? Isn't that yeah. how you have, how statistics work?
2: Yeah. So basically, um, we're looking at, um, alleles, uh, it's just bits of your DNA. So like when I go on the stand, I talk about it like um, like boxcars on a train. Okay, at a certain location, and like I said, we look at like 24. Um, at a certain location, I'm gonna get two, right? One from mom, one from dad, they come together. So I'm gonna have five boxcars and 10. She's gonna have two boxcars and three boxcars. So our numbers look completely different. Now what they've done is they've looked at thousands of people and say, okay, at this one location, um, how many times do we see five boxcars? And how many times do we see 10, 2, and 3? And that's how, and they are like, okay, um, once out of every, you know, 2,000 people, we're going to see five. So now you got got this number. And as you go, you each location, you're going to start multiplying those numbers. Like we've seen this, these boxcars these many times, times your next location, times your next location. So at the end, you know, you can say, um, there's different statistics out there, um, random match probability, uh, likelihood ratio, but basically like uh, you can say, you know, I'm 80 quintillion times more likely to be the source of this DNA than an unrelated person picked at random, is how we say it. And, um, you know, basically we say, yeah, it's, it's definitely a match. I would not expect anyone in the world and who's ever lived, to ever be a match on that DNA. Um, and it's it's based on science. It's based on how many times they saw um, thousands of people. And you can, you know, apply that to the world, because we don't have everybody's DNA. So now you have to use population statistics to say, okay, how likely is it?
0: To me, that would be fairly, especially when you're talking those big numbers. I mean, if it's one in a thousand, that's uh, a, a lot different, because I don't know how many thousands are in 8 billion, but, um, mm. it'd be a lot. So if you said, yeah, there's one person in a thousand has this profile, uh, you wouldn't have much confidence behind that. Correct.
2: That would be less confident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Less
0: confidence <laughs> spoken like a true scientist. There's, there's no absolutes in, in any science, right?
2: That's right. And then, but then you had to think, even if you get a number like a thousand, um, you know, okay, you expect this, 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 you know, this profile, one in every 1000 people to be included in that mixture, let's say it's like degraded, or we don't have a lot there, they didn't touch it very much or long, but how many um, of those one out of every 1000 people, how many had motive, how many were there near the scene of the crime at that time? So then you can like start narrowing it down again. So even even if you do have like small numbers in DNA, um, it could be that you know that helps that helps the case get solved.
0: Right, and like we were saying earlier, it all it is is one more piece of evidence. It's just one more piece of the puzzle. It's it's never going to be the thing that convicts somebody, and that's I think that's really important that people understand that is, you know, the justice system is set up to be neutral. And that's why the prosecution has to have that and beyond a a reasonable doubt. And whereas the defense, it actually favors them because all they have to do is instill that reasonable doubt, including uh, based on that DNA profile that you guys are generating. But if there's no reason to really doubt that DNA evidence and there's no reason to doubt that the person was there and there's no reason to doubt that. Uh, the person could have committed it and had, you know, anyway, all these things get together. That's how somebody's convicted. It's not based on one particular eyewitness that supposedly saw it, that might be, how do we say it? Scrupulous or unscrupulous. I got to get my English straight, but anyway, so let's, let's go into maybe some cases that you guys have worked. And I know you can't, especially active cases, you can't talk about, you know, the victim or anything like that, but when you're specifically talking about evidence, one of the things that uh, lab people have talked to me, especially on the DNA side, is they get a piece of evidence in, and 10 years ago they would look at it and they'd go, There's just absolutely no way we're going to get a DNA profile from that. Mm-hmm. How have things changed over the course of your, you guys' careers in, you know, when looking at DNA, do you, or, or looking at evidence? Do you look at things differently now? How, how, is the, how have things changed?
1: I mean, I think for, for me, when I started processing, I mainly look for blood or in sexual assault cases, semen. Um, but now our, our technology is so sensitive that um, like she said, I only need we only need two cells. I do a lot of, especially in our agency, we have a lot of people run out of their shoes for some reason. It's very weird or lose their hats or leave gloves behind. And, and more recently with the people wearing masks, they'll leave their mask behind. So all I have to do now, I really, I mean, I'm still looking for blood or sex for sexual assault cases, semen, but if I don't see anything, I do a lot of scraping with blades and then swabbing them and then cutting out the swabs. So I think um, the technology has come along where it, you only need a little bit. And especially for a mask, I don't even have to scrape it. Usually I can just figure out where the mouth would be or the, like the nose area would be. And I cut that area out and we've had really good success with um, mask, and I, and I even cut like around the ears where the, the little holders are around the ears. And we've gotten full profiles from mask and shoes. And I mean, I mainly, if you think about it, people wearing socks in their shoes. So I always swab, scrape and swab the shoelaces because you don't think about tying your shoes. So we've gotten good profiles off of that too. Um, But it's very weird. People always run out of their shoes. I do a lot (laughs) of, I do a lot of sandals and flip-flops. It's, it's just
0: weird. (laughs) Well, you know how hard it is to run in flip-flops.
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Just take them off and keep going. So when I first started, it was mainly looking for blood and semen, but now I bring stuff in and and, and just scrape and swab if I don't see anything. So, And when we first started, or when I first started, if we couldn't find blood, then we would ask for additional evidence or something like that. And now if they just bring in a hat with nothing on it, um, we usually get full profiles off of that.
0: What So what would determine if you would go to the next level? Like, I, I'm sure your protocol states, you know, you start with swabbing and then you go to scraping and then uh, cuttings and then eventually the MVAC,
3: right?
1: Um, yeah, well, we only MBAC if they um, ask us to.
3: I'm Mike Morford, and I've been researching the Zodiac case for years. Zodiac, just the name. It sounds sinister. It inspires fear. The fact that a serial killer would give himself this moniker is disturbing. He would go on to taunt police by sending letters and codes to newspapers for years. And the attacks, they were something else altogether. If you were a young couple in a secluded area, you could easily be a target. And it wasn't just shootings on dark lovers' lanes. Zodiac would even attack with a knife in broad daylight while wearing an executioner style hood. After a while, Zodiac changed tactics. And even lone cab drivers weren't safe. The Zodiac Killer terrorized the San Francisco Bay Area and then vanished. But he left a lot of clues behind along the way. Clues that we're going to examine closely on the new podcast, Zodiac Speaking. New episodes of Zodiac Speaking come out every other Saturday starting March 13, 2021. Subscribe today wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode.
1: Um, so we do mainly MVACing on rocks. We've, I've got actually three in the lab I need to do. Um, right now. So
0: if we well, get on it, what's the problem?
1: <laughs> we're actually waiting on filters to come in.
0: Um, <laughs> Oh, so three. it's a, so it's my fault. Oh crap. So okay.
1: I, I, we have three filters and we're saving them in case we have a rush case mm-hmm. um, until we get the other filters in, but we don't really have a protocol of what to do next. Um, I guess it's just my experience. We always, scrape and swab um, items, if if we can. Um, if we get like a vinyl glove in, a, a glove that we can't swab I mean, we will um, just put some distilled water, I mean, sterile water on it, and then just swab the inside of the glove. Or if we get a condom in, where we have to figure out what's the inside, what's the outside, I will just swab it. I don't scrape it. Um, but we mainly do the in on rocks and we have done it on clothing uh, if they want to see like touch DNA of someone who's grabbed at the shirt or a pair of pants or something like that. Any
0: results, any results you can share on that?
1: We have gotten full profiles um, off of like someone was robbed. We have in the pocket area, like saying they went in their pockets to get change or money. We've gotten full profiles from that. Um, from suspects i don't know what happened at that point because once we're done with our stuff we give it to the um, investigators but we have gotten profiles that is not the victims in pants areas like the pocket areas Mm -hmm. or if someone was sexually assaulted they uh they a lot of times want us to do around like the um buttons where they may have pulled the pants down or like the leg area we've gotten um, request before to do around the leg area where they might have, may have pulled down the pants in a sexual assault. And I think we got full profile off that. Wasn't that your case? No, maybe not. It wasn't her case. It all runs together, but we have had success off that.
2: Yeah, we we don't test for epithelial cells. Um, because a lot of times it's just not a lot of DNA there, so we just go straight and go to quant and see. Okay, is there DNA there or not? And if there is, then we'll go ahead to the next steps, try to get a profile off of it. So we don't test some um, some labs do. That's not us.
0: <laughs> so Nikki, let's let's pretend that not everybody is a DNA analyst and knows what going to quant means. Can you expound on that a little bit?
2: Yeah, that we're just so um, Ashley. She she also does our quantitation step. Um, that is just seeing how much DNA is there, if any. Um, and what's neat is um, now we can see they've changed the kits. Um, we can see okay, is there male DNA there, and mm-hmm. uh, we get male and total, so we can kind of see the ratio male to. Female um, sexual assaults, uh, if the, you know, if it's a male suspect uh, with a female and we see no DNA there for male, um, we don't go on. We don't continue on and try to attempt a DNA profile because we know at that point, we're not gonna get um, any male profile. It just
1: gives us a number of how much DNA is there. And it also helps them with doing dilutions because you don't wanna overload the instrument. Or if there's picky. not enough there, then there's, yeah, we, we know we we're not going to get a good profile. Yeah. So,
2: but basically we, we go on for the most part. If we see any DNA, we're just that sensitive. Now we can, we can get a pretty good profile. Mm-hmm. if We get hardly anything there.
0: Awesome. So when, when you say you've used the MVAC on rocks, can you give any kind of, um, what was the scenario there?
1: Um, so we actually had juveniles throw a rock at a, uh, one of our deputies' cars, and it busted through the windshield, the rock went onto the back seat, the deputy collected it, and the juveniles actually ran into the woods, and we were able to get a full profile off of that. So it was actually one of our vehicles at the Sheriff's Department that they tried to vandalize.
2: I mean, I think we, we had a brick. The yeah. New impact. I got to put that in CODIS. Um, it hasn't, that one, mine hasn't hit. Um, but yeah, I got a good enough profile from the brick. I think that one they were breaking into somebody's house. Yeah. Like grab the brick and threw it. So we get yeah. a lot of people
1: here that think, they'll say it's a brick or a rock and it's actually concrete. It's part of the road. But we do get stuff off of it. Um, people, I guess, the criminals don't realize you get leave lots of DNA behind when you're throwing a rock. So
2: we can't talk about the results, but, um, you, she recently impacted um, a two by four. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. A piece of wood recently and got results. So that was interesting.
0: Awesome. We love hearing that. So, uh, so
2: um, we went to, well, not me and
1: Nikki, another colleague, we went to, a different agency, it was actually a cold case for them. And the house had not been touched since the murder. So the family closed it up, they contacted us and they wanted us to in back um, an area around the bed. There was a safe there. So when they went back years later, they noticed that the safe had been opened. So they wanted us to in back around the safe area. And it was neat just transporting the MVAC and seeing a house. It had been totally closed off for 13 years. It, there was still food sitting out. It was just, it was very weird. Um, but we were, we didn't get anything other than victim in that case, but it was neat being asked to come um, process items from a different agency just because they had heard about us MVACing. And um, I liked it, it was, it was neat. It was a really good experience. I've also, have gone to another agency, a suspect, um, put a victim in the trunk of a car. Well, they thought they thought they did, um, and they had cleaned it with Clorox. So they wanted us to invite the back of a car um, to see if we could get anything, to see if the victim actually showed up. And we did find um, the victim in the back of that car while so, um, using invite. So that was a good case, too. Wow,
0: well, that's awesome. Yeah, there's there's a lot of agencies that will and some agencies even have two MVACs. They have one that's uh, specifically for the lab mm-hmm. and they have others that are, are more for the crime scene, taking them out to different areas. Because I know you guys, especially once you validate a piece of equipment, the last thing you want to do is take it out of the lab. But, you know, sometimes it's just necessary. But, mm-hmm. but regardless, that's taken an MVAC to the crime scene they, they don't use it there very often. They don't have to, you know, but sometimes there's like blood on the side of a building, for example, or, or blood on a sidewalk that they just can't get up, uh, Mm -hmm. using, using swabbing. It just tears the swab up. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, they, maybe they choose not to jackhammer up the side of the building, which is Mm -hmm. usually pretty smart. And so Mm -hmm. those are kind of ideal situations for the MVAC, but yeah, I, I mean, we don't, we don't want to turn this into the you know, an MVAC uh, commercial, but at the same time, it, it's it's an integral part of of DNA collection now. And so that, that's why I asked, you know, usually agencies, they'll go to swabbing and, and scraping and cuttings first. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if those fail, they'll go to the MVAC. Or like you said, if the detective specifically asks for uh, MVAC sampling, then they'll go to that first. So Hey, yeah, is that is that pretty much you guys's protocol
1: yeah yes sir unless That's, it's like a brick or yeah. really big
2: rock and we're like okay we're just gonna end back. yeah <laughs> so yeah don't need
1: to ask them yeah or, or it. it's it's funny because a lot of times they'll put on the request vacuum they'll just write vacuum <laughs> and i'm like i know what that is but they don't even put like in back or anything they'll just, they'll just write vacuum so <laughs> i think they're kind of slightly confused but
0: yeah well there's <laughs> There's those uh, old vacuums that they used for trace evidence.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: And hopefully that's not what they're talking about with DNA. but
1: I I um, don't think so. They're pretty young, so they probably don't even know what that is.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You don't see those around very much, do you?
1: I've never seen one. I mean, I've seen it on the the computer, but nothing in personal. In my personal
0: life so yeah well trace evidence is so difficult anyway and it's uh doesn't hold up very well so yeah dna is definitely uh a, a much better standard so all right ladies well any any uh really cool cases that you're working on well, yeah. or maybe maybe i shouldn't say working on any really cool other cases that you've had recently that you know may or may not have involved the mvac but just um you know something that you guys are really proud of
2: Oops.
1: Did some bones oh, yeah um we've done some bones recently um two. yeah we've done two just identifying human remains they didn't know who the victim was and we've
2: identified yeah. quite a few few. we well um had an unknown male in the lab for like years and years and just updated our bone protocol one of the dna analysts read um i think in a magazine or they used a new different, a new kind of bone protocol. And then like, we were like, well, let's Let's just just try it. Yeah, let's just get those bones back out and (laughs) had used like so many, I mean, they did. This wasn't my case, but, um, and then the last one just worked. So there's a special area of CODIS um, for families who have, um, they don't know where that person is or they're pretty sure that they've died, but they don't know where they are. Um, You put those families family members in mom, dad, children. I mean, you can put aunts and uncles. Um, and in that same category, we have unknown people that we recover. It doesn't have to be bones, but just unknown, um, dead people. So then you could, those could match. You could get a familial match to, um, the family, or if you've got their standard, that's better like a toothbrush, hairbrush, um, if it's recent. So yeah, we, we just got, we got a little bit of a profile on one and we were yeah Very it's exciting strong, yeah. it's exciting because it's you know the, otherwise you have no idea because it's just like i think this was a leg bone it was yeah. just a leg bone somebody found out yeah. some in the woods
1: so i have no idea who that
2: person is
1: we do know it's male though yeah it's
2: a man, yeah, it's a man um
1: so. i've also gotten a huge like king-size comforter. This is a funny story um, laid it out on our processing bench to look for seminal fluid and basically open it up. And there were chicken chicken like wings, bones laying in it. I guess the victim or, yeah, it was the victim's bed sheet. They just sat there and were eating chicken bones and left them in the bed. And the investigators just collected it. And it kind of scared the mess out of me because when I kind of pulled it up, the chicken bones went flying everywhere. So... You see some weird stuff in evidence. I know that. <laughs> it's always something different.
0: The number of stories that you guys can create or tell is just absolutely hysterical. <laughs> yeah. Chicken bones flying all over the place. That's pretty funny.
1: It's always something yeah. different every day.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of these days, uh, I'm not sure I want to talk about it on, on this uh, video cast, but uh, the, the day I came out there to uh, demo the to you guys, we usually, there was a rock out in the back that uh were you there Ashley
1: yes oh yes.
0: uh, how many days did it take before your lab didn't smell bad anymore
1: uh, it was quite a few yeah I don't know where that rock came from that was not a good testing rock that we should have picked
0: well it, it at least showed you that it was collecting it right
1: mm-hmm. yes <laughs> yep it yeah. sucked it
2: all up I know that
0: <laughs> yeah that was a uh, that was that was nasty okay well. Hey, we'll we'll just keep that joke in between the the three of us here. So okay. I mean, maybe you can fill at, fill Nikki in on because um, you, you weren't around last time I was out there. Were you, Nikki? No. All right. Well, Nick...
2: smell. it doesn't. Sound she nice. doesn't do very well with smells. I don't like that smell. <laughs> I mean, nobody likes a bad smell, but
0: yeah. You know. Yeah. Well good thing you're, you're in the lab. It's pretty much a sterile environment in there. So you don't have to worry too much about smells. So, well, ladies, I absolutely appreciate you coming on and, and sharing some time with me. It's, it's always good to talk to professionals that are actually in the field doing, you know, the, the actual work that it helps to, you know, help solve crimes. And that's, I I, I don't know, Nikki, if uh, Ashley has told you, but the whole purpose of this video and podcast is more to educate and help people understand the entire investigative process. There's tons of podcasts out there that they'll pick a, a specific case and drill down on it, and and you know lots of lots of people love that. But what I've found, and it doesn't really matter if you're in the U.S. or anywhere else, most people in the in the general population really don't understand how much work goes into actually solving a case Mm -hmm. and certainly the lab and not just you know the DNA analysis but the serology is such a critical step in that And so I applaud both of you for being such an an important cogs on the wheel and uh, for sharing your story today so thank
1: uh, you for inviting us
0: yeah my pleasure so I'll, I'll definitely let you guys know when I'm when I'm gonna get this edited and and put up and Hopefully you can also, you know, spread the word and go check out the, the video and the podcast. So, okay, um, okay guys,
1: all right. have a great
0: day. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks. Have a good weekend.
0: You too. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to All Things Crime. We are so grateful for all of our listeners. If you enjoyed this, please give us a positive review so other people can find it as well. Have an amazing All Things Crime Day.